Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, it's Joe Suchere and Patrick Royce with Sports Talk. Good afternoon, everybody. Tom Chorsky filling in for Patrick Royce and, I guess, Joe, because usually Joe's here, too. So yeah. I'm, uh, I got the trading wheels off a little bit here, Manny, but you're going to have to hold the back of the bike. I got you covered, buddy. Right on. How right are on. you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Uh um, I, you know, obviously driving over and I've been out today and I'm, has anyone given you the old cold enough for you? You've probably been in here all day. So. I've, I've gotten that a few times via text <laughs> in the last, uh, couple hours and this morning as well. But, uh, yeah, it was freezing. It's, uh, yeah, it's chilly out there, but, uh, we knew it was coming. They, they gave us a big, a big warning and, uh, that's, that's just how it is. Um, how about the, uh, how about the, uh, Christmas deal how's that it was it was good uh, i kind of did a double dipper um did uh christmas eve with my family and did uh christmas day yesterday with uh with the girlfriend's family so yeah. it was uh quite a busy time but uh, everybody got gifts that they that they loved and were excited about including myself and so uh it was a nice couple days o- over the river and through the woods or what yeah yeah it was uh it was it was it was <laughs> exciting it was busy um, but but everybody got to got to sort of get together and, and enjoy each other's company and exchange some nice gifts and uh, it was a good time. How was yours? Uh, it was it was fine. Same thing. We've got um, uh, I've got three two teens and a and a preteen, so we got three kids right in kind of the wheelhouse of having to deliver some some good stuff for for Christmas. The the tree was was well covered underneath so okay. we uh, i think we we were successful there everyone seemed real happy with the, the the way things played out as uh as the gifts were opened um it's fun time to see some of the things uh that kids get and they get they definitely get real excited about and yeah my uh my nephew got uh the new lebron james shoes oh and yeah. he was uh and he's, he's 10 years old and it's like the one thing that he wanted yeah all year like he he basically told my sister his mother and my mother his grandmother um he basically said i don't i don't care if you get me nothing else right and he was saying this like back in the summer i don't care if you get me anything else i don't need anything else i just want the new lebrons right right uh, and and of course he got other stuff too and and he got the lebrons and he was uh he was excited he was ecstatic shoes were big at our house too yeah um they weren't lebrons they were these Adidas, I think, shoes that are kind of, you know, with 
are cool to walk around in or something yep. latest and greatest. And my kids are probably laughing at me while well, they're not listening, but uh, <laughs> that I don't know the, you know, the, the type of shoe they are, but they look cool and they look comfortable. And, and they were one of the things that uh, was really, was that they were really happy about. Um, speaking of NBA gifts or related gifts, uh, our older son, and I've talked about this, he's kind of, he's really into, he's quite into the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a hockey player, but he's quite into the NBA. He got a uh, Steph Curry bobblehead. Nice. And uh, he's into the Golden State Warriors quite a bit. He kind of likes those front-runner teams. He doesn't like to lose. So <laughs> He likes the teams he that win. He likes the teams that win, yeah. yeah. He's, he's not really pulling for the underdog. But uh, <laughs> the Steph Curry bobblehead, he has the towel, and he's chewing on it in his mouth. Oh, and it's okay, pretty, yeah, It's a pretty yeah. detailed nice. thing. It's kind of fun, yeah. yeah. So I, awesome. And as a hockey guy, I, I, I like it. I, I told, I, I've been kind of enchanted by by uh, the NBA a little bit, but uh, we sit here in hockey season, and we're going to have some hockey guests yeah. today uh, in a little bit. We're going to give uh, Billy Robertson a call, and he's the WCHA commissioner. He was a longtime uh, executive with the Minnesota Wild, and he's worked for the Anaheim Ducks, and he's he's had a pretty, uh, and the Timberwolves, so storied uh, uh, career in sports around Minnesota and, and actually around some other leagues, so it'll be kind of nice to catch up with him. He's done some He's done some um, innovative things with the WCHA um, by because he needed to, and I think there's some things that are on the table that are also kind of interesting, intriguing to talk about. So nice, um, yeah. And I thought uh, we could we could touch on NFL playoffs too as we approach approach that. And it looks like the Vikings are gonna get a buy, I guess. Hopefully, and- yeah. I think they they could take care of business. By by beating Chicago on Sunday, which they should be able to do. The Bears are not a very good team, and it's the last game of the year um, for them. So they should be able to lock up that second seed. It could get dicey if they were to somehow lose, and then Carolina wins, and then you know they're not they're not guaranteed to have right. a second uh, first round bye yet. But it's pretty likely that they'll get one. One thing I would like to at least talk about that when we get to it is why that what they can do with that bye week and why it's so you know why it's important and for sure you know there's definitely obviously the obvious advantage of is getting healthy and resting but there's probably some things they can do with educating themselves on the rest of their opponents and and things like that but uh also uh, on the docket is uh brian schoenborn and probably not a a household name for people but he's a he's an attorney and a long time kind of sports attorney and he is help heading up the efforts to bring Hockey Day Minnesota to St. Cloud, which uh, looks to be a, uh, you know, that that event keeps getting, uh, I think, better and better, and I'm part of it. It's uh, it's it's kind of sponsored heavily by both the Minnesota Wild and, and Fox Sports North, so uh, I get to be a part of it. It's a lot of fun to be a part of it. It's a cool thing. It's, you know, for people that aren't, well, that wouldn't know maybe, but it's a pretty renowned thing around the country, both as a yeah. as an outdoor sporting event, and then within the uh, sports TV or regional sports network industry, uh, it's viewed as as a huge uh, event to pull off. And you know, it's whatever how many hours of of uh, content for for the single sports network. But uh, I've been a part of one. Yeah, I, I was a part of one. My first radio job out of college was uh, up in Roseau, Minnesota. Oh, okay. And it was in 2000, 2008, January 2008. Uh, I think it was, that was probably one of the earlier, it might have only been like the second yeah, or third sounds, Hockey Day Minnesota. Sounds like And second, it was on third. the Rainy River in yep. over in uh, Baudette. And it was uh, Rozo taking on Blaine. And uh, they skated to a one nothing 
uh, Rozo Victory in about 35 below wind chill. And I was right out there doing uh, doing the radio play-by-play. Well, then... We'll, Interesting experience, that's a, to say the it's least. It's good to know you've been a part of one. You can... Yeah. Uh, Maybe you can uh, chime in with Brian and uh, for sure. share that experience a little bit because I'm sure they're hoping that it uh, it doesn't get too much uh, too much colder than than that or this because that can be tough. But uh, hey, Mother Nature or Father Winter, whichever one it is, can <laughs> can have their way. Um, we got Jess Myers coming up at three thirty. Yeah. He's going to join us in studio actually, and then uh, we got Rich Gannon at four fifteen. Uh, talk a little NFL and Vikings and things like that. And then Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune is going to be joining us uh, for Talking Purple at 5.15. We usually have Ben on on the ride with Royce um, on Mondays, but since yesterday was Christmas, uh, we had no had no live show. Uh, so we're going to have uh, Ben on today as well. So. Yeah, and then and then on the ride in, I was I was listening and and hearing, uh, and I think I heard that bit. The, the practical joke that the neighbor was playing yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. with the lights. With I think I yeah. heard that ori- the original broadcast of it. Okay. Or, or, I mean, I guess it was over the course of a couple, a few different call-ins because this yeah. guy carried it out for a long time. And <laughs> and one I thought, uh, well, that's a tough act to follow, following the best of Garage Logic yeah. and all the best calls and, and best um, you but know, you, commentary. But uh, but you know what? I think you're up to the task. Yeah, well, I think you're up for if it. it. If it takes talking about um, practical jokes, I, I got a couple from my career we could maybe talk about. Okay, and we could, we could actually one of them. I'll just tell you right now um, because it was pretty funny that the joke that that neighbor was playing, and so NHL players or hockey players in general are kind of pranksters, right? So they're known to to kind of do some goofy things to their teammates. Uh, and one, the funniest one, most funny one I ever saw at first was when I got to the NHL, me and a teammate named Russ Cortnell, we were in Montreal and we were, we were both sitting out and I don't remember if we were both hurt or I was scratched and he was hurt. But anyway, he said, come on, the, the players went out on the ice. He said, come on down. I want to go get this guy. And he proceeded to um, cut, detach all his buttons on his button down shirt mm-hmm. and we reattached them at different spots oh my gosh so when the guy came out after the game to put on his shirt he's he start, like trying to well he starts fiddling around up, with right? it yeah and, and it's, so he it's off and it's yeah. crooked so <laughs> what's his first thought his first thought is oh i screwed it up yeah i gotta go back and so he's and so he redoing changed, it he's redoing and it and it's <laughs> oh, not getting awesome. it's not getting any better Oh, I mean, I and, and we're over in the corner. And it's probably getting worse. It's getting worse, yeah, because yeah, he was he, <laughs> he was doing it the the closest way the first time, and then so he can't quite figure out what's going oh, on. Here, just fantastic. like this other guy, and then and then the second thing we had done is we had taken his zipper, and you know how every zipper universally has a little open square at the end for yeah. whatever purpose, but we had taken uh, like dental floss and tied a little knot in that opening, and then pulled it all the way down. And tucked it in, and then we <laughs> sewed it, so he could see the zipper, and he yeah. could feel it, and he could touch it. But when he was trying to get it out of there and zip it back up, it was fastened down That's because hilarious. we had sewn it. So we watched this guy for I don't know five minutes try to figure <laughs> oh out goodness. his outfit, and uh, that one that was that was a pretty good one. That was a pretty good one. That's pretty good. That's awesome. Well, when we come back, we will get Billy Robertson on the phone, and we'll talk a little WCHA and and kind of some of the, the provocative things he's doing with his league and some potential things that uh, I think the future could hold. So when we get back, we'll be with Billy Robertson. This is Tom Chorsky and Manny on the Ride with Royce.
Tom Chorsky back on the ride with Royce, filling in for Patrick today. Uh, our next guest is Billy Robertson, known by his uh, friends and maybe many of you as Billy Rob. Probably doesn't need too much of an intro for those around town here, but uh, as a refresher, we'll just say that uh, longtime sports executive spent 11 seasons with the Minnesota Wild before he became the commissioner of the WCHA, and he's he's also been with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks back when they were the Mighty Ducks, and he's he's been with the Timberwolves as well. So that gives you a little background, and that's probably not even all of it, I know, Billy, but... Uh, that should be good enough. Uh, how's the third season going in the WCHA? Well, it's going great, Tom, and, and happy holidays to you and all your listeners out there. Likewise, likewise. Thanks. Hey, um, you know, I was thinking about how you've been, you've already done some things, and I want to talk about um, your fingerprint and how you've kind of changed the, the game format for the WCHA, and you're looking at uh, some, some schedule, maybe flex, or, or maybe letting schools figure out what would work best for them. Um, we've got an on-campus playoff format uh, and potential expansion and a super final. Uh, so let's start with let's start with the changing the format. And you know this is this is great. And and it's I don't think well here's my thought. The NHL has done it over the years. They've they've changed their rules. They've uh, they've they've done overtime and they've done shootouts. And so they've done a lot of things progressively to to kind of grow their game or refreshen it or or appease to the fans. Uh, how's it working for you? Talk about that. Well, I, I think more than anything, uh, in my first three years as commissioner, or first two years, I should say, that uh, we would look at games and there'd be a whole bunch of ties, and I would leave rinks and arenas and go, geez, that isn't uh, how I want to see this end. I want some entertainment. So we, we determined as a conference, both uh, coaches and administrators, along with our WCHA staff, to implement a, a system where we would have uh, – Obviously, five minutes of overtime, which is always the case in the NCAA uh, in their rules and regulations. But then we went to, a, after that, if it's still tied, it would be three-on-three three, uh, in overtime. And then we would go to a shootout. And uh, it's been fabulously re- received all across the WCHA and and I think in college hockey. And I do believe, Tom, that over the course of time here, and I think probably as early as next year you're going to see uh, mandated uh, overtime procedures all throughout Division One college hockey, which I think is great. So every conference is playing by the exact same rules because it is confusing. Some conferences have, have, have adapted to it and some have not. Uh, but we're one that wanted to be progressive and proactive, and I like that. And then the other piece, as you alluded to earlier, was the fact that we are now an on-campus model for our tournament and uh, the the debate uh, was out there for a long time what is the best system to to have your championships and we thought bringing it back to the on-campus format where we brought it back to the student athletes and to the fans of those schools uh, where they could have some home ice advantage and really build up through our playoff system in the WCHA and that has been so well received as well. So I'm liking the changes we made, uh, those two in particular, the overtime procedures and the on-campus tournament format and I think the WCHA has a great future ahead of itself. Yeah, you've certainly, um, you've certainly, I think, righted. Uh, not that the ship was ever off, but it went through that transition when some teams left and 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 they had to kind of get their footing, and and you seem to have done that. So congratulations to you for that. And we should uh, mention or or uh, that the two Minnesota teams in 
the WCHA are Bemidji State and Minnesota State. Minnesota State currently ranked uh, in the top 10 in the nation. So nice feather in your cap there. Um, what about this uh, this super final? Because this super final idea is something that I had the very same thought. And when I when I heard that it was being bounced around, and not that it's inevitable, but it's a great thought. I, I was like, I came up with that, but I'm sure you probably came up with it before me. <laughs> Well, I, I call it the big idea, and I, I've talked to the NCAA about it. I've talked to uh, other college commissioners, and it really, uh, for your listeners, it's, it's real simple that the championship, uh, in particular in the western part of the United States, would be played in one one campus venue, uh, or not can or it could be a campus venue, but it could also be a neutral site venue. Right. And we'd have the WCHA participate, the Big Ten and the NCHC, and all have their championship games go out through one day. Um, and I think it would be fabulous received. It would be bring back a lot of memories of uh, Frozen Fours here. Uh, in, if it was in Minnesota at the XL Center or, or some other venue, uh, it, would, it would be a lot like that, that kind of feel or the old Final Five that the WCHA put on that sold out for so many years. I'm, and I do think if you had three championship games in one venue over the course of the day, starting at noon, 4, and 7.30, it would be a fabulous way to celebrate the great sport of college hockey. Yeah, it really would. Uh, and, and you kind of get as a hockey fan and a college hockey fan, and especially for listeners that are college hockey fans that uh, remember those or have attended those, I'm sure they can imagine uh, or, or think about how much fun that would be to be over in St. Paul. You didn't say it, but uh, it might it might be in St. Paul, and I, I don't know what other um, venues you would consider moving it around to, but certainly... Uh, you give it a go in in St. Paul, and it would be it would be a lot of fun. So, what what are the chances? Do you think that that might come to fruition? Well, I, I think down the line, uh, I don't think this will happen in the next uh, couple of years for sure, Tom. Okay, but yeah. I do believe that over the course of time, as as people struggle to draw fans to their tournaments, and we we've seen some cases of that when you have uh, teams playing in neutral sites and there's no affinity to those programs and they and and they don't travel well that gets hard and, and this somewhat eliminates the fact that you you're going to have just the best teams in the western part of the US playing in one venue one day to decide it all with all with automatic berths to the NCAA tournament i think that would just be fantastic for fans overall it really would it would just you'd get hockey fans not just fans from from those schools or programs, um, and let's just touch on expansion because it's been—it's you know—I think it's speculated uh, just in college hockey in general. You hear uh, rumors, or you just hear a little scuttlebutt on teams that potentially could pop up. What does that look like to the WCHA, or what what can you what can you share with us about that? Well, I um, and you and I have talked offline before. I'm open to the idea that uh, we could someday have more teams in the WCHA. Uh, how that progresses remains to be seen. Uh, one thing that's really good is the NHL and the NHLPA are working on feasibility studies with uh, several colleges that are interested in potentially becoming Division One college hockey programs. And what, the, what they're doing is looking at the cost, looking at the arena situations on these different campuses, 
and I think there's going to be an appetite for that uh, over time. I, I think it's going to grow slow, and I think uh, Arizona State was the first school to kind of dip their toe into the water, and yep. they're playing an independent schedule currently, and I'm still very interested in Arizona State and, and where they fall, but I, I would say this, we're, we really need to take care of the 60 teams that are playing Division One college hockey right now, and I, my main focus is on the 10 schools inside the men's WCHA that include two schools in Alaska, two in Minnesota, four in Michigan, one in Ohio, and one in Alabama. And that's a wide footprint. It's a big footprint. We have lots of work to do within our own conference just to be successful on and off the ice. But in saying that, I would be open to uh, potentially what's going to happen down the road. I know that there's a school out there, Oakland University, outside of Detroit, that's looking at the potential possibility of adding both women's and men's hockey to their repertoire of sports. And they're known for a, being a basketball school. They play a tough Division One schedule, play a lot of Big Ten teams and a lot of Big East teams, but uh, they're interested in the hockey situation. And there's other schools that are looking at potentially adding, but no one has dipped their toe in saying we're ready to go and we have the funding in place. And that's really the trigger, funding and an arena. And I do see over time we're going to have more teams playing Division One men's college hockey. Well, that's good. That's what uh, us hockey fans all want to want to hear. Um, well, Bill, thanks for joining us today and talking about the WCHA and some of the things that have gone on and some of the things that might go on. And uh, we'll keep an eye on our, uh, I guess, fairly locally, Minnesota State Mavericks ranked number seven in the nation, I think, right now. And uh, congratulations on your successes and good luck in the future. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for all your support and good luck to your daughter playing hockey uh, tonight. I know they have a big big game uh, in the Minnesota State High School League schedule. Yep, they got a tournament starting. Wow, you're on top of it. Okay, Bill, thank you. That's Bill Robertson, commissioner of the WCHA. When we come back, we will continue Hockey Talk. I'll be with Jess Myers. All right. The uh, Sports Talk will be back here in just a few moments, but now it is time to head out east. Once again, for the Your Money Now report, it comes to us uh, courtesy of our friends at Federated Insurance. Here is Mr. Bruce Vale. Well, stocks closed a bit lower to start the week as a decline in Apple shares weighed on the broader market. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell seven points, closing at 24,746. Apple responsible for the entire loss there. The Nasdaq Composite dropped 23 points. The S&P 500 lost two points. Home prices continue to rise in many areas around the country, and you can pin a lot of that on the shortage of homes for sale. The S&P Case-Shiller National Index Index for home prices rose seven-tenths of a percent in October from September's level, and it's up more than six percent for the year. In Minneapolis, prices were down a tenth of a percent from September, but still up 5.4 percent compared to a year ago. General Mills will start 2018 by rolling out four new cereals. The company is launching Blasted Shreds Shredded Wheat in Cinnamon Toast Crunch and Peanut Butter Chocolate flavors. The company is also tapping into the Nut Butter craze with new almond butter and peanut butter varieties of Nature Valley granola cereals. I'm Bruce Vail with your money now on 1500 ESPN. Give us 30 minutes and we'll give you everything covered. What is uh, slashing? Slashing is like that. Jess Myers now joins the ride with Royce for this edition of the Hockey Half Hour. That's Tom Chorsky sitting in with 
The Ride with Royce, and as you just heard, Jess Myers is joining me. We're going to continue our hockey conversations, and as we came in there, the bumper from Slapshot, which is just a classic, obviously. Um, if you ever want to get really annoyed, sit by Judd Zilgad and I at a hockey game, because that's just pretty much all we do. The banter. Of... Yeah, the, the Slapshot lines we throw back and forth. Right. He and I sat next to each other on a plane to the Frozen Four in 2014 when the Gophers were last in the championship game. Yeah, uh, yeah. the people sitting by us weren't happy by the time we landed because it was just a lot of talk about... Right. Uh, you go to the box, feel shame. Yeah, a lot apparently. of that stuff. Yeah. But, well, so along the lines of that sophomoric humor and uh, funny stuff and pranks, we off off uh, air we oh, were talking about pranks. He, okay, so. so here's my favorite locker room prank story. Tom Reed, you know, who we all know very well as, right. a, yeah. uh, as not only a bar owner, but, uh, you know, a great great and hockey player. Lo- and longtime broadcaster. Longtime broadcaster. He tells the story. He's playing for the North Stars. This is mid-70s. Okay, so fashions weren't great anyway in the in the 70s. You know, you, you see some bad stuff when you look at those archive photos. Tom shows up at practice and he's wearing a pair of white linen pants. Okay. Even in the mid-70s. It's a winter sport. I know. But <laughs> okay. e- even in the mid-70s, this was the object of some teasing among his teammates about, okay. hey, hey, Tom, nice pants, you know. Yeah. Uh, so he goes out for practice. He said, in retrospect, he should have known something was up because as practice is going on, every now and then, like, two guys would leave the ice and then come back. He didn't, Which would never happen yeah. in this day and age. Didn't, you didn't just, think you don't just leave it. practice. Right. But anyway. He gets back to the locker room after an hour on the ice wherever, and uh, the entire team had autographed his pants. <laughs> now, two things about that. Number one, they probably looked better with, with the signatures. And the other thing I'm thinking of, even mid-'70s North Stars, who were not a great team— can you imagine what a sports memorabilia collector would pay today for a pair of autographed oh, Minnesota yeah. North Stars, you know, 1973 linen pants? Instantly went up in value. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know how Tom got home that day, but apparently he just wore his autographed pants. Well, but, hockey players can be, I mean, like I said, they're funny, they're pranksters, and, and they can be brutal, too. You, you you know, you'd come on the on the bus with a new suit or a new jacket <laughs> and... Guys would be like, oh, nice horse blanket or, you know, um, yeah, my horse wants his blanket back. And then if you fell asleep on the plane, they'd cut your tie and cut your tie off. And then if you don't have a tie on, that's a twenty five dollar fine. So you get double whammy. You have to go buy a new tie and pay the fine. It's the the line I always heard when somebody would show up with a new suit, especially if it was a bigger guy. I was like, hey, that's a great suit. Does it come in your size? Well, <laughs> a little harsh, but anyway. they, yeah, there's no, there's n- well, and you know, and in all seriousness, so much more is made of hazing and things like that that can be damaging to people. I mean, Bruce Bruce Boudot has been very, uh, you know, open about the fact that you know he was treated brutally when oh. he was a rookie. On, oh, as on, was I in in the WHA and in the NHL. I mean, yes. you know, and and I mean downright mean stuff. That, oh you know, yeah, I that, I got spray painted and <laughs> goodness and purposely on parts of my upper torso yeah so that you'd have to use like uh alcohol rubs to get the paint off and oh my it's just, goodness it was very um it was very raw at the end of you this. know you you and i talked a little bit uh, about you know you being an american playing yeah on, uh, on the montreal canadians and yeah. in their organization in french-speaking places there had yeah. to be you know that had to be different for you i mean just to you know kind of more, more even more like an outsider well yeah and and it worked a little bit both ways because there was anglos as they would call english-speaking sure. hockey players and and at least the year I got there, they had some enough English guys that wanted to haze the the young French rookie, <laughs> and they got after him pretty good. 
And then I would have almost rather gone first because after they after the French guys saw what the English hockey players did, Chris Chelios. <laughs> not to name names. Not to name names. One. No, I mean, but I mean, a great, great teammate, great captain, great hockey player. But he he did a good job on this young Frenchman, and so then I got it back. So it was that that t- was an interesting time for the Canadians organization too. I remember the famous you know Sports Illustrated story in about eighty four, eighty five yeah. about the fact that guys like Chelios and Tom Curvers were making their way into the organization. Ludwig. Yeah, and for the first time, you know, they were kind of moving away from you know being French Canada's team and kind of broadening their horizons. A little well, bit. yeah, not just having. Um, you know, more English-speaking Canadians, for yep. that matter, um, they were now dipping into co- American colleges. So, yep. you know, thankfully those guys paved the way for for me and uh, other college players, and we've seen the game grow from there. But yeah, it was an interesting time. But that was a it was a heck of a still organization. Love, still love seeing Canadians fans wearing like a Brian Gianta jersey or something like that. You know, all these all these American guys they bring in, I just love it. Yeah, well, that's that's the, <laughs> how the game has changed. Well, what what else is on your mind for hockey today? What are well, you thinking? The, the thing that I'm excited about, and we talked a little bit off air, you know, the World Junior Tournament. Um, is getting more and more renowned in the United States. I mean, I'm a USA Hockey guy. I do a lot of stuff for USA Hockey Magazine. This is a huge deal pretty much everywhere except here, but I will say it's becoming a bigger deal in the United States, and uh, opening game is tonight, USA versus Denmark, which, you know, should should be a, a game that they shouldn't struggle with. Um, a lot of connections here. You know, Casey Middlestead, who Gopher fans know very well, uh, is generally the top-line center on this team. Bob Motzko, the St. Cloud State coach, is coaching Team USA, second year in a row. Now, that's rare. Generally, you know, this is kind of a plum for guys who have paid their dues with USA Hockey, and they do a different coach every year. It was Don Lucia a couple years ago. Uh, Bob Motzko won a gold medal last year with Team USA in Canada. Um, And the thinking was, you know what? It's not broken. Why fix it? This guy has found a formula that worked. So Bob's coaching the team again this year. He's a good friend of ours, a guy we know very well. Picked five UMD Bulldogs for the team, which uh, shocked a lot of people. You know, he brought five guys into camp and they thought, well, he's not going to keep all of them. Wound up keeping all five guys, including Joey Anderson from Roseville, who's the captain of Team USA. So it's a rare situation for the Americans to go in where they're the prohibitive favorite and they're the defending champions and, and the team everybody is looking to to kind of uh, kind of be the one this year. Yeah, and, and I had Jim Johansson on uh, last week when I was here. He's the general manager and has been for a long time. And I asked him that. Why did you... Typically, the coaching staff changes, right. and I, you know that that's probably it. You win a gold medal, and you've got uh, three coaches. The other two, one being Grant Patoni, who people will remember, former Gopher hockey player and former Gopher assistant coach, has spread his wings and is now head coaching at Northern Michigan. And Greg Brown, who I tried out for the 80, 88 Olympic team with, we were we were roommates. Boston uh, College, so you know, Boston great, College, great right? Player. So yep. yeah, good player and even better person. Super, you know, nice guy, gentleman. So um, I I know I know those guys. That's kind of one of my connections. And and some people have said, well, why why is it such a big deal or juniors? But it is growing uh, bigger and bigger, and they've done a nice job, I guess, from the sports business side of it, marketing it. Yes, it's absolutely. a huge deal in Canada. Um, as a player, I played it in, in 1986, and, and you know when it was in. Uh, we talked about it. it was in. Tell me where it was. Hamilton, Hamilton, Hamilton. Ontario. Well, yeah. we rotated around from Hamilton to London, and I think Sudbury. So okay. it was like so three, kind of that corridor between yeah, Detroit corridor, and Toronto. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, it was exciting time then too, and we ended up taking a bronze, okay. which was a little. Who was, who was your coach? You remember? Uh, d- uh, 
was it Dave Peterson? I think it was Dave Peterson. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. you know, a guy who wound up coaching, you know, in, yeah. in the in the Olympics a couple times. Right, yeah. right. And so he was he Minneapolis was, guy. You know. Yeah, in Minneapolis Southwest, where I went to high school. Absolutely. He, he, yeah. had, he had vacated to become an Olympic coach, but it was a really exciting time, and it was pretty cool for me. And and now I explain it is is it's it's like an Olympic you know experience because you play Finland, you play Sweden, you play Czechoslovakia. At that time, we played yep. Russia, like the junior Red Army. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't just. This, or it was Soviet Union. But anyway, so that's a big tournament coming up tonight. They're playing Denmark. And the um, tournament's in Buffalo. So that, Tournament's that's... in Buffalo. And then on the marketing side, growing the game, and, and they're going to put some money in their coffers, going to be outside. At, yeah, at they're going to play one Bills of their games Stadium. outside. A big one against Canada. Yeah, that's that's uh, great. I think Friday night. So that's what I'm looking forward to. All right. Well, when we come back, we can continue this conversation. Tom Chorsky with Jess Myers and the Ride with Royce. Getting you caught up on the week in pucks. It's the Hockey Half Hour with Jess Myers. A combination that requires the highest level of conditioning, speed, creativity. On the ride with Royce. Tom Chorsky in for Patrick Royce, and I'm here with Jess Myers, and we've been talking hockey. We're going to continue talking hockey. Uh, Jess, I was looking at the local fish wrap and the uh, the annual... What would you get your sports team for Christmas? All, all, or all we want for Christmas. All, all we, we want for Christmas is, or uh, and so when we're talking Minnesota Wild, um, the suggestion in this one was patience. We got to be patient with this team, and I, don't, I guess that means maybe let them get healthy again, and hopefully not run into injuries or illness, and 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 find some some uh, stability in their lines and stability in their game. Your take? Here's here's. Uh kind of where I am with the Minnesota Wild. You know, I cover this team. I've been following this team forever. Sure. Uh, my father, for Christmas, got me a pair of Winnipeg Jets sleep pants. So, I mean, I, I don't know if if fans up north have given up on this team or what, but but patience is a good a good way to put it. Um, and the you biggest think that's thing, good? You think it'll pay off? You think well, there's something there for I mean, in patience your opinion? in this sense, you know, uh, uh, this team is kind of in the thick of things. Um, the this This division is not very good. You know, it's not like it was a year or two ago um, where, you know, a team like Chicago could just run away with it. So you've got, you know, you're in the thick of the race for the playoffs. But keep in mind, you're doing that without Parisi and you're doing that now without Dubnik. Um, you know, if somebody would have said, take those two guys out of the lineup and you'll still be in the thick of things, I think you're thinking, well, we're okay. So if you can be patient enough where those two guys can get back, and now with Nino Niederreiter, we still don't really know what that situation is, yeah, yeah, you know, and and uh, how long he's going to be out. But, you know, it's tough to preach patience because it seems like, you know, not to pick on one guy, but Charlie Coyle. We keep waiting for him to kind of take that next step yeah. and become that, you know, dominant first-line guy that, you you know, you're not going to you're not gonna go get a beer when you know his line's coming up. You, you want to see what they're going to do. He's just not there yet. And we've, you know, I feel like there's been a lot of patience with guys like that. Um, that keep showing flashes, but not the consistent every night stuff. Yeah. So there's the patience with individual players, and then you know patience with the club or with the team and uh, with the lineup, and and there there is some validity to that. And and you know as a former player, uh, you you if you did survive kind of you know uh, either an injury or a slump or whatever. It does help you. Adversity does help make you stronger, right? That's just a that's just a human nature sure, sure. Um, philosophy or phenomena. But uh, you know, I, when they do come back, it's it's possible that Parisi and Dubnik come back about the same time, and maybe 
and maybe Nino Nina Ryder. Sure. Now that sometimes how things happen matter too. That's a pretty big shot in the arm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we've seen, you know, when when Dubnik came here the first time, we've seen what just the infusion of a goalie can do when you get a little more confidence and a little more relaxed when you have a guy that you trust back there. Darcy Kemper's a great goalie. I mean, he's proving that again in Los Angeles, but the team had lost confidence in him. Which they don't have with Stalock. Stalock's a different deal, don't you Yeah, you know, and and Stalock's a guy who's out there, you know, playing with the puck and, and doing stuff like that that he's always done throughout his career. But when you get that confidence and you get that feeling that, you know, this guy's got my back, we're covered, we're good, um... The defensemen can do a little bit more with the puck. They can take a little bit more risks. They can, you know, fire a shot that they think maybe, maybe you know, if this gets blocked, okay, this guy will bail me out. And if it doesn't get blocked, it's going to the net and we have a chance to score. Um, if you get that kind of shot in the arm, that kind of confidence. And then Parisi, I mean, we all know about him, the the motor that just never quits yeah, with him. Yeah. You know, there's that debate is, is he skill-wise on the downside of his career? Being in his 30s now, have we seen his best days, you know, I don't know about that. You know, we'll we'll have to see um, what he looks like when he comes back because you know back surgery is a serious deal. I mean, yeah, that's probably the more important thing. I I I mean, I think skill wise, he's working on his on his craft all the time. He, I, I see him out there before practice starts, and he does specific things that are skill related around the net. Um, if his production, well, if his skill level drops, I think he's the type of player that will adapt. Although he scores most of his goals from. 12 feet in anyway. Um, so that's probably not going to change. And if provided his back stays strong enough and he can, can continue to battle, uh, I don't think his production will drop off a lot. Um, you, you know, too, the, the type of game he plays, like you talk about around yeah. the net, you're getting crossed. You're getting crossed. Guys are trying to move you out. I mean, uh, you know, the, the funniest line that way I ever heard our old pal, Kerry Eads, you know, a long time yeah. coach played at North Dakota. He always said I was a pretty good player from the crease in, you know, cause he was just, he would just run the goalie over to get to the net. But, right. Yeah. Right. That's, that's old time hockey. So, <laughs> but I do think if these guys come back, uh, you know, and, and around the same time and then going forward, they don't experience, uh, any any other injuries of significance yeah there's a chance that patience you know will pay off uh, but you know last year we saw some players have some great years that maybe some of their best and yep. and we might not get that this year from uh, Miko Koivu or Jason Zucker right now is kind of quieted down a little bit but uh what do you what do you think I you know I th- I still think J- Jason Zucker is just such a key catalyst for yeah. this team so um you know I the one thing that I guess kind of hurts this team, I think, is there's not that Alex Tuck or somebody like that waiting in the minors that everybody says, "Oh, we got to get this guy up. We got to yeah, see expansion this expansion picked up the, some of those yeah, guys." You know, the the cupboard seems pretty bare right now as far as who's the next wave. So that would concern me if I were this team's GM. You know, who who is that uh, that next round that that next group you're looking for? And and I don't know if we've seen that yet. Yep, yep, that's a good point. Uh, when we come back, Jess and I will wrap up this segment of Hockey Talk, and it's Tom Chorsky sitting in for Patrick Royce. Tom Chorsky back in with the ride with Royce. Jess Myers and I are sitting here for a final segment, short one, but we'll touch on high school hockey. The Schwann's Cup is going on right now. I was over there uh, this morning. My son's team is playing the Open Division, and tonight, As the was big I. game. We yeah. were both there, and we didn't know it, but yeah. we got... Um, and one game in the books that we maybe want to mention, St. Thomas Academy 
took it to Burnsville three rip. Peyton Matsui with all three goals for St. Thomas and assisted by Ray Christie on two of them. Ray Christie was my centerman in high school, so that's his son, Ray Jr. So wow, congrats, nice. congrats to them. Tonight, uh, a, a couple big games. Uh, Edina is taking on... Uh, Minnetonka, which will I, be the, the feature see, one. That'll be a big one team. At, at, at Ritter. They, and before them, Centennial is playing Hill-Murray, so that's okay, another, yeah. another good matchup of of uh, Hill-Murray taking on Centennial. But the Edina team is good. They've got, I, I don't know off the top of my head, how many D1 players, but they've got a bunch. Averaging eight goals a game, you think you think that's good? Huh? Well, <laughs> they've played a couple of weaker teams, but uh, tonight will be their true test. It's over at Ritter. It'll be a big game between the uh, Skippers and the Hornets. Well, thanks, well, well, Jess. It for, hurts me to say this, but good luck, Hornets. Man, uh, that, that, we'll oh, see. Bay. Well, thanks for joining me, Jess. Good, good talking hockey with you. Tom Chorsky in for Patrick Royce. This is The Ride with Royce. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today.